0: Sometimes it's inevitable to give in. Sometimes that's the only way to begin. Sometimes hitting the ground with your face down is the only way. Sometimes that's how you finally feel okay.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Japan Distilled podcast. In our last episode, we introduced you to Awamori, Shochu's older cousin from Okinawa Prefecture. And today, we're going to cover the different classes of shochu, which is, of course, according to Japanese tax regulations. This will cover honkaku, a word that we introduced to you in our first episode, as well as otsuri, kōrui, and konwa designations. I'm your host, Christopher Pellegrini, coming to you from Tokyo. And with me, from his home in Fukuoka, is my co-host, Stephen Lyman. We're both certified shochu and awamori professionals, published authors, and we pretty much only drink honkaku shochu and ryukyu awamori. We've been exploring these amazing drinks for more than a decade, and we are extremely excited to share them with you through this podcast. Please download and subscribe to the Japan Distilled Podcast on your preferred podcast app, or you can download these episodes directly from our website, shochu.pro. So, Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Christopher. How are you? Did you have a nice holiday? I had a great time. We found a nook up in the hills with a very nice bath that was in our room. And actually, it was not in our room. It was adjacent to our room under the the starry sky. And we had a lovely time. How about you?
0: That sounds fantastic. Had a friend of ours over for dinner and... Enjoyed a nice home-cooked meal and some nice drinks, and just basically happy to be relaxing. That's uh, about (laughs) all we can ask for at this point of the year. I hear you. So let's get into the different classifications
1: of shochu. And this is really quite a confusing part of the category for a lot of people. There's so many different things that can technically be called shochu, but... A lot of it really shouldn't be. Before we get into that, though, can we get a little bit of background on this? Um, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift this over to you, Professor, so go for it.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for that. I think, um, as we've talked about in every episode so far, you know, shochu has been around in Japan for hundreds of years. And this was essentially from the time the distillation technology arrived In Japan, sometime in the 1400s, 1500s, as far as we know. We're not exactly sure of the date because it was basically fishermen trading with other fishermen, bringing the technology over, and moonshine being made on farms and in small villages, primarily in Kyushu in southern Japan. So this wasn't a drink of literate people. Sake, there's a long written history because it was what the emperor drank. But shochu really stayed under the radar for a long time. It was something that people down south were drinking because they knew how to make it. It was essentially too hot to make sake. I'm sure we'll get into that in a future episode, but essentially sake is best made traditionally in a cold climate, usually in the winter or in the cold months of the year to protect the fermentation from corruption or basically infection by other organisms that might might get into the fermentation at the time that the sake is being made. With shochu that's not quite such a big concern because you're going to distill. So as long as you can generate a fermentation that extracts alcohol from the sugars, you're going to end up with something that will at least be alcohol that's not terrible. Well, I don't know if it was terrible or not, you know, none of us have been able to try shochu that was made hundreds of years ago, but essentially to make nice sake traditionally you needed cold Temperatures for shochu, you didn't. So that's really, as far as we know, why shochu took off in the South, because it was too hot to make sake consistently. Basically, the only game in town for distilled alcohol in Japan was single distilled shochu for centuries. It wasn't until the 1800s that this changed. Now, there were two big things that happened in the 1800s in Japan. One is when Japan opened up due to the black ships. Commodore Perry's black ships sailing into Edo Bay and basically demanding trade at gunpoint. And then that led to essentially the modernization, the very rapid modernization of Japan. This is where Japanese started wearing Western clothes, importing Western goods, trading with the West, going overseas to be educated. All that kind of thing was happening in the 1800s and it was actually only in the 1880s that shochu distilleries were required to incorporate for tax purposes so this was part of the meiji restoration part of the reformation or the reform of japan was taxation and regulation of businesses and so shochu distilleries many many of the distilleries that Christopher and I know and love if you see their incorporation dates it's usually something around 1884 1885 because if they were if they existed before that time That's when they became official corporations, official companies, according to the Japanese government. Just a few years after that, there was another big disruption, and that was when the patent still was introduced to Japan. So the patent still, or column still, or sometimes called the coffee still, is a multiple distillation machine. So this actually allows you to multiply distill the alcohol to very efficiently extract as much alcohol as possible through a single distillation run. And this is how most vodka is made. This is how a lot of different industrial spirits are made. The the base spirit for gin is usually made like this. Many, many different styles are made in a column still or in a patent still. When this still design was introduced to Japan, somewhere around 1895, it really revolutionized the quote-unquote shochu industry almost overnight. Because until that time, shochu was this single distilled, rough countryside moonshine. And suddenly you had this clean, clear, bright, very mild to drink spirit that nobody knew what to call it other than shochu. Because as we've said before, shochu means essentially burned alcohol or burned liquor. The burned referring to fire or heating. So essentially, using heat to extract the alcohol from the fermentation. In Japan, they weren't sure what to call it other than shochu, this multiply distilled style. And finally, in 1910, so about 15 years after the patent still was introduced, shochu was divided into two classes. The words technically mean new machine and old machine at that time, based on what kind of still was used to make it. And then in 1949, so just a few years after the war ended, the korui and otsurui designations were made. Multiply distilled alcohol, that using a patent still or column still, became known as premium or korui shochu, and single distilled shochu became known as second class or usual or otsuri shochu. At least up until the 1940s, the multiply distilled style was considered more refined, more premium compared to the traditional style. Now, in 1971, the honkaku designation appears. And as we mentioned in previous episodes, honkaku means authentic or traditional. So this was the point at which there was the recognition that that was a tradition worth preserving. And the honkaku designation, as we've talked to before, is single distilled in a pot still using koji for the first fermentation and making it from an approved ingredient. If it was single distilled, but did not follow those other guidelines, then it was classified as white liquor. The actual English words, white liquor is what single distilled n- non honkaku shochu was called as of 1971. Jumping forward to 2002, not that long ago, otsuri and honkaku are differentiated. So otsuri shochu is what the 1971 designation was calling white liquor. Osuri shochu is single distilled shochu that is not necessarily honkaku. And then honkaku is shochu made under the honkaku regulations using koji, single pot distilled from an approved ingredient. And that was codified in 2002. In 2006, there was a change again. So just a few years later, I guess some people weren't happy. They actually renamed it as multiply distilled and singly distilled shochu. The honkaku designation still exists, but that's where uh, the designation now is really based on whether it's singly distilled or multiply distilled. Somewhat confusingly, today, white liquor, which used to be otsurui shochu or single distilled shochu that did not qualify as honkaku, today, white liquor refers to korui shochu. So I know that that was a lot of information to take in, you don't have to remember much or any of it, it won't be on the test, but we wanted to give you some context about how shochu is shochu, but shochu is broad, I guess is the best way to explain it. So Christopher, maybe you can talk a little bit in more detail about what really makes shochu honkaku shochu. I'm not sure I'm prepared to do, do that. You just mentioned there's
1: going to be a test, so I'm a little bit anxious right now. <laughs> who's, who's administering the test
0: and who has to take the test? <laughs> Do I have to keep the test? Uh, good question. We'll have to think on that a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well,
1: uh, yeah, show Shouju, which is what, as I said before, Stephen and I spend most of our time admiring. This is also something that is reviewed in detail a couple of episodes ago, I guess. And I'm just going to go through the the quick and dirty review of that. Okay, so Honkaku Shochu is a single distilled product that is made from approved ingredients and their koji. Approved ingredients, who approves them? Well, that's the tax office. They have a list. How many ingredients are there? Well, it depends on how you count, but basically there's four major groups of ingredients, and they can be summarized thusly. First is, I guess we can say, potatoes, and generally that means sweet potatoes. Then we've got grains, so that's barley, uh, rice, corn, and myriad other starch sources that grow above the ground. Then you also have sake kasu, or what is basically sake lees. So you can take the uh, fermented rice solid cake that remains after pressing those solids and extracting the sake from the from the fermentation. And you can actually get more alcohol out of them. That's called sake kasu, and that style is called kasutori shochu. That's a third style. And the fourth one is the kokuto sugar, which is indigenous to, well, maybe not indigenous, but very, very well known to be made in, the Amami Islands. So those four major groups are there, but then there's 49 others. So I guess that could be 53 total. Some of the others are, for instance, milk shochu, and kelp shochu, and water chestnut shochu, and carrot shochu. There's tons of different things, and it's generally tubers, grains, and vegetables. Those are, I think, the three big ones. There's also tea which is in
0: there as well. I guess that's a vegetable. Is that a vegetable? Steven, is tea a vegetable? I don't think tea's a vegetable. I mean, it's a plant, but I mean, there are a number of different plants. There's both freshwater and saltwater plants, as well as, I guess, above water plants, like that live in soil. A lot of, I guess, aromatics, right? Different things that would add aromas or flavors, but wouldn't necessarily create starches or sugars. Sure, like and tea is
1: definitely one of those. Another one would be shiso, the perilla plant, which is shaped like a spade and often is kind of accompanying your fish, your sashimi or your sushi when you're out eating. And there's a ton of different, I guess, aromatics or grains or tubers and then also some things that live in the water as well. There isn't really any fruit other than, what is it, ume, or sometimes it's translated as Japanese plum, but it's actually related to apricots. That The pit, I guess, can be used. And then also date palm can be used, but otherwise, really, there's no fruit involved. So you're never going to run into, for instance, a peach shoju, at least not of the honkaku style. In that sense, honkaku's very tightly regulated. It's very closely watched by the tax authorities and by extension, the government. Other things that are controlled are the addition of additives. There are no additives allowed. You cannot put any sweeteners in there. You can't really add any color enhancers other than putting the spirit in a cask for a certain amount of time, which will add a little bit of color but you can't really add anything to it, which is quite common in other spirits traditions and non-spirit traditions around the world. For instance, it's very common in the rum and the whiskey world to add some sort of color balancer. Some Maybe it's a type of caramel that will even out the color or give it the exact amber that you're looking for. That is strictly prohibited in the shochu world. As are... Adding sweeteners or umami enhancers or other acids, which is very common in Korean soju, that's also not permitted. And there's one other thing. One of the reasons why these coloring enhancers aren't allowed is because there's actually a limit on the amount of, or the darkness of the spirit that allows or prevents cask aged soju from being confused with whiskey. And that's mostly to prevent any accusations of unfair taxation, especially when it comes to imported whiskey. But there's a very strict limit on the amount of color that can be received from the cask during aging. And so you'll never find a honkaku shochu that's any darker than a very light golden or straw color. It's going to smell a little bit like whiskey and maybe taste just slightly of whiskey. It'll have that feeling, that inspiration, but it'll never be exactly like whiskey. I think that's a good thing because the more you cask age, the more you cover up the koji and the depth of flavor that that adds to the spirit. Those are some of the basic regulations that define what Honkak Shochu is and again I want to say one more time it is is pot distillation and single distilled in a pot still. That probably doesn't sound very remarkable to anybody out there but if you really think about how spirits around the world are made it is so rare for a spirit to be single distilled in a pot still. That is very very that's a unicorn right there. And the fact that an entire industry has this as their policy, I feel is just absolutely amazing because it shows that there is so much tradition and so much attention to detail that they can make a fermented mash that is so delicious that it still is going to be amazing after only one distillation. That's rare. And that's one of the things that makes honkak shochu both delicious and unique. If you distill it more than that, if you're going for a higher alcohol percentage, then it's not honkak shochu anymore. You're into a different
0: tax classification.
1: That, that um, was a great,
0: great summary, Christopher. Did you have anything add to that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so one, one reason I guess it's it's kind of chicken and the egg here, which came first, but there's also a maximum ABV, and that is 45% alcohol. Now, there are some changes underway in the awamori world, which are still shaking out as we speak, but generally 45% is the upper limit. And if you distill any more than one time, as is common in the whiskey world, then you're naturally going to have a bottled product that's way above 45% unless you water it down. And the rule in Japan is that the product that comes out of the still, the the finished genshu has to be under 45% alcohol. This is something that can be regarded as handcuffs for the industry because it it means that they really just have to they really only can distill once, but then at the same time, it's the way the drink has always been made. So that forty-five percent ABV max is also protecting the traditions. It's it's preventing people from getting a little bit too clever and a little bit too tricky with their production methods, starting to really bend what it means to be creating a honkak shochu as has been created for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, so I guess that was a longer summary than I had hoped to convey here, but I think that got all of the major notes
0: for what is and what potentially is not a Honkaku product. I I think that was an excellent summary and obviously much more detail than we provided in previous episodes, so certainly necessary. I'm going to skip to the other side of the aisle now and talk about what makes a shochu korui shochu. And the short answer is anything goes. Basically, how you get how you extract alcohol from whatever your base ingredient is does not matter. Typically though, a raw distillate, actually from often South America or Southeast Asia, where the fermentation and the first distillation occur overseas and then that raw distillate is shipped to Japan for finishing, it is often refined in Japan up to 95% alcohol or higher these patent stills these column stills and then by law it needs to be diluted down below 36% alcohol so it's got to be 35% alcohol or less you can add uh things to it right it's unlike honkaku shochu it doesn't have to be pure shochu it doesn't have to be pure spirit as the final product or um spirit plus water right alcohol plus water there is a limit though. For korui shochu, you can add up to 2% sugar but it has to be listed on the ingredient list. This is actually true for single distilled shochu too but then it is no longer honkaku. If you add sugar less than 2% to a honkaku shochu, it becomes an otsuri shochu. So you have to remove honkaku from the label but you can still call it otsurui, uh shochu. If you do add sugar There are, of course, it's Japan. There's lots of rules. If you do add sugar to a kōrui shōchū and you put it in a barrel, you can only leave it in the barrel for a year. You cannot barrel age for longer than a year. And then it has to be sold at 25% alcohol or less if it spends time in a barrel. So add sugar, put it in a barrel, 25%. Don't add sugar, put it in a barrel, 35%. It's a little bit silly, but this is just how the rules ended up. Uh, as far as coloring from the from the wood aging, as Christopher talked about, that's the same. You ha- you can't go above a certain threshold. So the darkest kori shochu you would ever find would, again, be a light straw color. Although I don't know that I've ever seen a barrel-aged kori shochu. Have you, Christopher? You know, I was just thinking about that as you were talking through this.
1: And I feel like I have. And I feel like it's quite new but I can't put a name to it. And it's probably not something that either you or I would really enjoy seeking <laughs> out. So uh, maybe we'll save that for a future episode when we finally happen upon these things. And maybe we do a side-by-side tasting with uh,
0: something that's honkaku and barrel aged. Sure. That sounds like a good idea. Now, so now the next time I go to one of my big liquor stores near me, I'm going to go and look at the Shochu section because it's separate from Honkaku. It's usually the same aisle, but it, like it's one end of the aisle, And in that section, it's much, much smaller down here in Kyushu. Actually, if you go to Hokkaido, it's the opposite. When you're in Hokkaido, I would say 80% of the Shochu aisle is Korui Shochu and about 20% uh, Honkaku. Here in Kyushu, it's probably 95% Honkaku and 5% Korui. But I'm going to look at the Korui section next time I go to the local big box liquor store and see if they have anything with a golden hue. I'm kind of curious about that now. In that section of the liquor store, you're looking at four to five liter jugs, plastic jugs of koroi shochu that will cost you, I think it's four or five liters for about 15 US dollars. It's, it's super cheap. It's really the cheapest way to get drunk in Japan is with koroi This is just mass market industrial spirit. And it's made as an efficient alcohol source. Uh, So this is actually the base for canned chuhai's. Actually, when you go to an izakaya and you order a chuhai or a sour or any sort of mixed drink like that, dollars to donuts, it's koroishochu that they're using as the alcohol base for that. They're not going to use a honkaku shochu, which costs several times more per liter than koroishochu. So your chuhai's in izakaya's, your canned chuhai's in grocery stores or convenience stores. And also, every year, people make umeshu at home, plum wine at home here in Japan. And you will find your plums, your rock sugar, and your korui or white liquor on the same section of the grocery store during that uh, umeshu making season in Japan. So people use korui for making umeshu and again for chuhai's. Now, there's one other use for this koroishou ishochu, and that actually is as brewer's alcohol for sake production. The honjozo style and the futushu style of sake has brewer's alcohol or distilled alcohol added to the sake. And that is very, very, very often koroishochu. I think that gives us a summary of koroishou Ishochu. And then there's one other main category, I guess, Christopher, which maybe you can talk about.
1: Oh, the in-between category, right? Yeah, the That's right. Konwa, konwa, the blended style. Um, you know, and I, as I was thinking about the whole possibility of the existence of a kōrui shōchū that has been cask-aged and has a little bit of color and a little bit of flavor, and it, and it's important to realize that kōrui shōchū just doesn't really have any flavor. It's essentially a vodka. It's been stripped of everything. It uh, I suppose if it has some sugar added, it could have a little bit of flavor, but it's actually not all that common for sugar to be added just because it often serves as kind of a low calorie, low, geez, low cost cocktail backbone. So you don't really need that extra sugar because you can just get it from the mixer. You can get it from the, 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 you know, the lemon juice or the grapefruit juice or whatever else you mix in with it. But there is also an in-between category, which is basically a blend of the korui that Stephen just talked about and the otsurui or the honkaku, which I was talking about before. And it's, it's essentially the blending of a single and multiple distilled shochu spirit or one of each. It's a, it's a really confu- confusing in-between category because it tends to be bottled in some of the same receptacles as the honkak shochu. So historically, there's been a lot of confusion on the consumer's part here in Japan in terms of am I buying honkak shochu or am I buying a blend? I'm really, really not trying to cast any aspersions on blended spirits because there's a lot of beauty there. But in terms of konwa shochu, which means, essentially means mixed, it's an attempt to kind of create a cheaper to produce and cheaper to purchase while also being slightly less character-driven in terms of its attack. And therefore, maybe easier for uh, a wider variety of consumers to enjoy. and. Essentially, people who are not accustomed to spirits, I guess, is maybe who the target partly was. In my mind, it's a kōrui shōchū. It's a multiply distilled shochu. It's a characterless spirit that has some character added to it, thanks to the single distilled spirit, which is basically a honkaku shochu. It's a, a traditional shochu. It's a, it's an old school style, and that's the beauty of honkaku shochu it tastes like what it's made from. And I should have said this earlier, it really, because of single distillation, it smells and tastes like you would almost, basically like you would expect. So a sweet potato shochu smells and tastes like sweet potatoes. And a barley shochu smells and tastes like barley. It's a beautiful thing. It's something that maybe is not really appreciated quite so much, especially in the world of barrel-aged spirits but it's also not appreciated in terms of when you're dealing with the ultra refined the multiply distilled column column distilled spirits which are stripping all of the character and aroma out of the fermented mash by design that's what you what that's what they're going for so you know and most konwa shochu is heavier on the multiply distilled spirit than on the singly distilled. So what you tend to have is something that's called ko Otsu Konwa shochu, ko Rui Konwa shochu. Why does ko Rui come first in the name? Because there's more of it. There's more than 50% by volume of it in the blend. You know, sometimes it'll be flipped. Occasionally, you'll get something that's heavier on the Otsu side, which means it's probably going to have more flavor, aroma, character. And that will be called otsuko konwa shochu now these are this is a bunch of terminology that you'll probably never need however having said that there is a pretty nice konwa shochu that's available in the US market at least and it's made by takara takara shuzo is a gigantic very very international distillery that has its fingers in a number of pies and is doing tons of different things. And their product, Yokaichi, is a very, very nice, smooth shochu that you can get overseas. And you should definitely check it out if you have it at your local bottle shop. Give it a, give it a ride. And it is an example of a Konwa shochu. And I would argue that it's one of the better ones available. So if you have that in your local market, Uh, then give that a shot. And that might be a good introduction for anyone who is not so familiar with the shochu category. And it's kind of a, what's it? What is it? It's a, I don't know. I guess it's along the lines of what Steven and I often recommend to people who are unfamiliar with spirits in general and shochu in particular. But if you're looking for a starting point, then you're going to want to go with something that's a little bit, has a little bit of a lighter attack. It doesn't have so much right at the front. It's not super, super noisy with the aroma. And we often recommend, for instance, barley shochu and rice shochu, just because they tend to be a little bit more approachable for people who are not accustomed to the category or to spirits in general. And I think, in some cases, these konwa products, although they're not really all that common, Where they exist, they can be useful in that same sense. So there it is. We went through the three big ones there. That's Otsurui, and underneath that umbrella is Honkaku Shochu, which is what we really, really care about. And please remember that Ryukyu Awamori fits under that umbrella as well, side by side, like siblings with Honkaku Shochu. Then Stephen went through kōrui shōchū, which is the multiply distilled type. And then I just went through the blended style, konwa, which is also a thing. So it's important to be aware of all three. At the end of the day, though, the one that really deserves to be called shōchū is the otsūrui style, the honkaku shōchū. And any time in the future, or most times, 99% of the time in the future when Stephen and I are talking about shōchū, we're talking about honkaku. So please try to keep that in mind. We'll remind you, so it, it won't matter. We, we beat people over the head with this information all the time. Uh, and hopefully someday, it just becomes common knowledge that if you're really interested in shochu, ah, of course, you must be talking about honkaku.
0: <laughs> That's an excellent way of describing it. The Yokaichi from Takara was one of the first shochus I ever tried. And in the States, we don't know the difference between Honkaku and Konwa and Otsuri. So when I first was discovering these drinks and I started to explore, Yokaichi was right there on the, on the shelf next to Ichiko, right? But it was always about 20 to 30% cheaper. Now, Ichiko is a 100% barley shochu, Honkaku shochu from a large producer in Oita Prefecture. And Yokaichi... Uh, This Konwa Shochu was right alongside it, similar packaging. Both had light, you know, clear bottles, you know, clear spirits, um, not that different. And, but I always saw that Yokaichi is a little bit cheaper. And I, once I learned that it was a Konwa Shochu, it was a blend of multiply distilled and singly distilled Shochu, that's, that turned a light bulb on for me for, for why this was actually a cheaper or more affordable product than ichko, which is a honkaku shochu. Another thing that I realized, Christopher mentioned shiso as an approved ingredient for honkaku shochu, and one of the most popular styles throughout Japan is a brand called tantakatan. Tantakatan is the most famous shiso shochu in Japan, but it's not honkaku. It's made from a sugar base, isn't it, Christopher? I believe it's not used. They don't use koji, right? They're using sugar to create the the distillate for the the main fermentation, and they're adding shiso to that. That's my understanding. I may have to re this. Yeah, I'm this a little bit unclear uh, about that.
1: I think <laughs> they use enzymes. I think they use uh koji enzymes in there somewhere. It's got a bunch of different uh, starch sources, or basically, I think it's got ready-to-go glucose in there as well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a it's a bit of a Hard one to nail down, and of course they're not really letting any of that information out. It's a rather large company as well. Oenon Group is a huge company that makes a bunch of very, very widely distributed p- products. And Tan Takatan is absolutely the be all and end all of Konwa Shochu. You're absolutely right. I'm I'm surprised I didn't mention it. It's everywhere you go, uh, and it's very, very. Easy to drink. It's lovely. It's fruity. It's floral. It goes very, very well with sparkling water. And it is actually very widely available now in the United States, I believe.
0: Yes, it is. It is available overseas. So tan takatan, uh, shiso shochu. And we can call it shochu, but we can't call it honkaku shochu. Now, Christopher, I know you spent, I believe, several years in Korea. And another common thing that happens is we talk to people and like in new york i would be introducing people to shochu and i'd ask have you ever had shochu before and they said oh yeah i had it at a korean barbecue restaurant in in (laughs) k-town and invariably that was not shochu right so can you explain the difference between honkaku shochu and korean soju
1: oh geez you're gonna get me going here um all right so this is a hugely confusing thing, especially for American consumers, and it's mostly because of a labeling law in California that allows things to be called soju that aren't soju. Um, let me back up. Soju, Korean soju, is made to be incredibly cheap for the consumer which means that it's also incredibly cheap to produce. And this is 99.9% of soju in the world. It's in those green bottles. It's a sweetened, multiply distilled spirit that generally is bottled at between 16% these days and about I don't know, on the high end. I don't think I've seen anything over 20 recently. But it is absolutely part and parcel with Korean cuisine. It is usually sweet. It goes very well with spicy Korean food, and it's normally consumed at pace. Now, this is, as I said, a multiply distilled spirit, which means that it is basically a kōrui product. The major difference between kōrui shochu, which is made in Japan, and Korean soju is that soju nearly always at least for the last 30 years has had sweeteners and other acids added to it to adulterate the flavor and to at least add some flavor actually koji shochu usually doesn't have that but again as i hinted before koji shochu shouldn't really be called shochu it's it's basically just pure ethanol or nearly pure ethanol that's been watered back down to whatever the government defines as a saleable spirit and in japan that happens to be 35 or less in terms of abv korean soju on the other hand it tends to be how do i put this politely i'm trying to be really nice right now and i'm also ignoring the the recent resurgence of the category which involves a whole bunch of new products that tend to be less than multiply distilled. They might be double distilled, they might be triple distilled. There, there's some places that are more forthcoming with the information than others. Some places are really good about telling you exactly what's in it, exactly how they made it. That's becoming more and more the norm, but it still is very, very recent. A lot of these new soju products are creations of the past 10 years. And so the soju category in general, when you look at it from a Californian perspective or when you look at it from a, a whole hog American perspective, you're basically just looking at a multiply distilled product that is unfortunately conflated with shochu because of the California labeling law that I mentioned earlier. What I want everyone to take away from this right now and and it's going to be difficult to define for most people until you really start tasting these things on your own, is that Japanese shochu, anytime you see the word shochu in the United States of America or anywhere outside of Japan, or in Japan for that matter, when people are talking about shochu, they're almost always, and when I say almost, I mean pretty much always, talking about a single distilled product that is pure. There's no other word for it. It's a pure distillate. It's not pure in a vodka sense. It's pure in that it's unadulterated. It tastes and smells like what it's made of. It's incredibly rare in the world of spirits. In spirits production worldwide, you don't get this level of hands off. And one thing that I, that will rile me up, as you know, and will rile, rile Stephen up, although, uh, I'm probably, I, I think I'll, I'll uh, make sure that my neck is on the line on this one, uh, basically is when people, as Stephen said, conflate Korean soju and Japanese shochu. both have their place and are incredibly important products in their own right, but they are so radically different that to call them the same thing is insulting to both. And everyone should stop doing that especially in
0: the United States. Well, I'm glad you kept that to around five minutes, Christopher. I'm sure you could have gone on <laughs> an entire episode. <laughs> <I did. laughs> it was dangerous. I said it was dangerous to get me on that track. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all right. No, but that's it's really important for people to understand this, right? Because a, a educated consumer can make smart decisions when they're deciding what to buy. And there are absolutely times when Korean soju is the way to go. And there are absolutely times when... Koroi shochu is the way to go. And there are absolutely times when Honkaku shochu is the way to go. But they are such different drinks, at least Honkaku compared to the other two. Because you've got this single distilled koji fermented tradition compared to these industrial spirits that can be great in the way that they're meant to be enjoyed. Uh, But yeah, there's something special about Honkaku shochu. So for those of you interested in learning more about shochu, Please consider buying Christopher's book, The Shochu Handbook. That was actually the first English language book about Shochu in world history, I believe. A new hard copy version is actually available exclusively through Amazon, while the ebook is available on a variety of platforms. I'm Stephen Lyman. You can find me as at Shochu Danji. That's actually Shochu underscore danji at S-H-O-C-H-U underscore. D-A-N-J-I, on Twitter or Instagram. If you have any questions about Awamori or shochu, please feel free to reach out to either of us via Twitter or Instagram. We're always more than happy to talk about these fascinating drinks. Where can we find you, Christopher? Uh,
1: You can find me at Chris Pellegrini. Pellegrini is P-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-N-I on Twitter and at Christopher Pellegrini on Instagram and of course i would be very very remiss if i didn't recommend that you should buy steven's book as well he wrote the complete guide to japanese drinks which has excellent chapters on both shochu and awamori and it's available on amazon of course as well as through your local bookseller and if they don't carry it yet then please tell them that they should also please tune in every week to our shochu pros show tuesday instagram live on my instagram feed every Tuesday in the United States, Tuesday night and Wednesday morning in Japan. So we really hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Distilled podcast. If you did enjoy it, then please rate or review us on your favorite podcast listening app. And we will be back in your feed very shortly with our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and to all of you out there in Japan distilled land, a very hearty and heartful kanpai.